ever imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact. We're all up in your face. It is time for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. Weird times to be alive. Weird times indeed. Tonight we have none other than Justin Pearson of the incredible Locust Swing Kids, uh, Planet B, 31G, so many, so many awesome things. Very excited to talk to that guy. In fact, let's not wait. Let's just get right down to it, poppers. Uh, Justin Pearson, awesome guy. And uh, very excited to be talking to him. This dude's done a lot and continues to do a lot. Continues to be a uh, source of inspiration, uh, not just musically, but just with a relatively tireless work ethic, we'd say. Uh, once again, first time joining the show, this name of the show is Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal, protoncreversal.com for the archives, always podcasted everywhere, 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 everywhere. <laughs> Justin Pearson, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks. <sighs> I, I, I'm digging your abort unwanted presidency shirt. It's a, it's incredibly uh, timely. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's like relevant a second time. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh. Sometimes you get like a novelty t-shirt. You think, ah, oh, this will be good for the one, the one gag, you know, the one, the one reference. And then in this case, hey man, it's come back in style. <laughs> I've got a lot of mileage out of it. I, for, I like, it's actually a nice fitting shirt. And I, I kind of didn't really, I don't really think about it when I wear it. So I'm like, you know, at the grocery store, and people are like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "Oh shit, this. Oh yeah." <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like when you accidentally <clears throat> wear a incredibly jarring T-shirt. Like gay witch abortion always gets some some weird looks, and, and I'm like, "What? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Okay, sure." Anything with abortion is is good, I think. You know. Yeah, because yeah, well, the thing is, people are like, "I don't know if to be if I'm offended by that or if I think." Yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Am I offended by that? And that's kind of what makes it a great band name, I think. Uh, uh, and a great band as well. Uh, Justin, thanks so much for uh, being on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Really, really great to have you. Thanks. As we've clearly established, weird times to be alive. Uh, time of this airing, it's uh, January 14th, 2021. Uh, I, let's, let's check the uh, is there an insurrection happening right now dot com. And it looks like not currently, but... Uh, <sighs> yeah man <laughs> it's, I'm, uh, I'm curious to, I'm curious to like find out what the next fucked up thing will be like you know I was like oh this happened oh then this happened and then this and you're like oh shit right right exactly but, I mean I'm kind of looking forward to like UFOs coming and 
taking Trump away or something. Like, I don't know. Like, it could be cool. Yeah, like, what? Like what's the um... – if you have your bingo, right? <laughs> your 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 bingo card. What's what's next on the bingo card? I don't know. Yeah. What is next on the bingo card? Uh if you had alien invaders, then uh, you know, whatever. You're almost you've almost completed your square. I'm hoping that death is on there, but I I don't know. <laughs> the sweet release of death. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe. I guess it depends on what, just like in general, like death as like a uh, oh no, for Trump. Oh, okay, specifically. Gotcha. And okay, okay, gotcha. His whole family, you know, except except his like uh, his 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 niece or whatever. Like she's cool, but everybody else, fuck him. I read this crazy article about like Ivanka Trump's like uh, Secret Service. They had to like spend like three hundred thousand dollars on a on a toilet or something. I, I, like I read that today, and I was trying to think. Do you remember like there was a news article about uh, like an expensive toilet like years ago, like when we were kids. And I, I was trying to, I was like, what other, like, why is this expensive toilet thing, like, ring a bell in my mind? Yeah. Do you recall this? Did I, is it, or is this, like, a Berenstain Bears, like, alternate universe thing that, like, didn't really happen? I don't know. I mean, I remember there was, like, Trump only shat on a gold t- toilet or something like that. But, but I mean, there, the one now is, like, it's not that crazy aside from the fact that, like, Ivanka Trump has 17 toilets in her house and she won't let the service use them. And they have to rent, they have to rent like, an apartment for, like, the, the, you know, twenty-four hours security to shit in. You know? Yeah, it, it, it's uh, how how much of a class distinction is that? It's like, yeah, you're not even fit to take a dump in this thing. Like, like that's... well, to their, to their credit, like they're probably like that dude's gonna upper deck her toilet. Right. Oh, oh yeah. Trump, that's or... you know what, man. Can't say I wouldn't if the situation were reversed. I <laughs> their bathroom up, man. <clears throat> it's funny. There's been like all this doxing happening. There's like this um this coffee shop in in uh like northern north county it's like called coffee with a k and they're fucking they're like their their uh, instagram has like three coffee mugs with k's on it i'm like dude that's like white power shit and the guy was at the at the insurrection so everyone's like talking about like we gotta go fuck this coffee shop up and i'm like dude it's super easy go use their bathroom and just you can shit <laughs> top, bring super glue and just like fucking glue shit up you know like i'm yeah. like dude it's really easy to bum those people out like you just gotta be smart yeah, exactly, and and I think for for some folks maybe it's easier than others, but it's sort of like if, if you ever were in a situation where you had like adverse uh, <laughs> adverse elements around you, then you had to sort of come up with inventive ways to uh, be a be a thorn in the side, and it's sort of like yeah. oh to see those actually deployed on a larger level, and I guess moreover having people like just discovering them, it's like oh yeah, welcome to the party, first time. Yeah. <laughs> Like stink bombs are kind of hard to get these days, and, um, but like super glue is fucking rad, dude. You can just fuck everything up. Yeah, you. I mean, and and there's so many choices now. There's gorilla glue now too. There's yeah. All, yeah. There's all these other varieties and styles. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Elmer's was like a you know the the only game in town for safety glue, but for some reason like the, you know, the super glue market has completely expanded. So yeah, power well, of the free market. Like, there's this proud boy that like parks over by this coffee shop that I, I keep seeing his car and he like, he's always in it, which is kind of weird. Um, and he, just, he's just, what, just chilling, just lamping. Like what's, what's he? Yeah. Like he, I think he gets coffee and then like, since you can't hang out in the shop, he sits in his car. Oh, okay. Sure. I've yeah. seen him a lot. Yeah. And then I guess today, like my bandmate, um, from planet B has, cause his studio is right by there. He saw this woman in the in the liquor store come out with a swastika tattoo on her back that says white pride and got in his car and I'm like, fuck man. As soon as we see them not in their car, like 
super glue, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's easy. But yeah, he's got um, this on the back window. It says like stand down or, or stand back and stand uh, down. Or whatever it is. Right. The, the, the thing it's he did, uh, fuck nuts said at the, the one debate. Yeah. That's yeah. which is like, uh, how prescient was yeah. that, right? Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we, we we all get it. We all we all understand the references. So, and if not, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> Talk to me about pandemic life for for JP, man. Like, what what's are, are you able to keep creative right now? Like, it's it's a struggle for everyone. And I think one thing that's been kind of cool with talking to people on this show during the pandemic is kind of figuring out how everyone's getting through it and everybody's dealing and coping with this kind of weird realignment of almost everything yeah so i mean right before the pandemic happened i was like in the middle of working on three different records and like just a lot of shit was like in the works and it like i found ways to like still do most of it you know so so i've been busy the, the i think the weird thing is like i had four tours get canceled and so it like it gave me more more time and more time at home and so i feel <clears throat> a little bit of an anxiety like fuck i should be doing something and that coupled with the fact that like i don't have any income like makes me think like well i mean you know, it makes me think like oh i should like do as much as i can so like when i can tour like i'll, I'll maybe have some income like you know? bank, so, so. bank some stuff so you have it just like ready to go when it's time for that to go totally yeah and 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 even even like aside from that it's like there's a lot of shit happening that like can influence art. And so it's like, I'm constantly thinking like, you know, just weird stuff, like fucking super gluing a white power dude's car, you know, like, you know, it's like it's constantly like, you know, like I, these lyrics are like this thing or like this, this, this phrase or, or like this beat or something like, let's do this thing, you know, like, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's weird. There's constant, there's a lot of shit happening and I keep having to like, kind of like, like step back for a second and be like, just chill the fuck out. Like we're, we're in a pandemic. I shouldn't be doing like a bunch of stuff, you know, like. Yeah. Cause I, I think I've, cause I've spoken with other people that have a pretty tireless work ethic in the same way. And it seems to be like kind of, kind of similar that it's almost like, Oh, I'm going to use this time. I'm going to use this time to like do all this stuff. But there's also like this mindset of like, well, it's also <laughs> good just to kind of be a human in this weird moment in time. And you know, maybe not like completely uh, throw that to the wayside while you crank out hours and hours of productivity, says the guy that cranks out hours and hours of productivity himself. But uh, I, I think it's it's something that honoring that, you know what I mean? And honoring this weird moment in time is almost kind of important because with any luck, this will be like this weird, bizarre blip in modern history with any luck. And... <laughs> <laughs> or uh, it's the beginning of the mundane apocalypse you know either way one or the other uh and but then but i think as someone that's you know relatively tireless such as yourself that has so many uh, awesome projects and, and constantly is able to channel a lot of different things into a creative manner and then i just wonder you know like is it a thing to, like you feel like you turn the spigot on and off is it kind of just hit when it hits like what's what's you know, what's, what's the mindset, you know, COVID life versus regular life? Like, what's the mindset, man? I don't know, man. It's weird. Like, it's, it's, it's like, that question's kind of like, hey, how was your weekend? You're like, yeah, I, know. I haven't had a weekend in, in, in like ever, you know? And so it's kind of weird. What's like, a weekend? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, we, you know, we did kind of like ease into like this weird thing, you know, because I remember, I remember working on this project, <clears throat> this, 
a recording that I, I don't know if it'll ever come out. It's, it wasn't like a planned thing. It was kind of a last minute thing, but it was right when like you couldn't get hand sanitizer. And I remember being in the studio with um, my, my friend Nick and he was like freaking out because he couldn't get hand sanitizer. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on, dude? And then like a week later, it was like, no more, like you can't leave your house kind of shit. You right. Know? <laughs> right, exactly. It isn't just toilet paper you can't get now. It's like no one's supposed to leave. Yeah. Yeah. But there was like, you know, the little weird, you know, and then like also too, it's like, I don't know, like my life's weird. And so I'm like, oh yeah, like now I'm in a pandemic. Like, you know, that makes sense, I guess. You know, like, I don't know. I mean. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, there's people eating bats and shit. Like, of course we're gonna have a fucking pandemic. I, I don't know. I think people. I, it's interesting, man. There's so many fucked up things happening. It, it, it like is shocking. And then I'm kind of like, well, there was a pandemic before, and like, you know, it's kind of like looking at like I didn't live. Like, people are always. I mean, it's fucking crazy the political administration that we're dealing with. But like, I think about shit like, it must have been so insane to live through like the Kennedy assassination or like. Right. Um, or like Vietnam War, you know, like that shit seems insane. So like, I kind of, I kind of feel like it's insane right now because we're in it. But, but in retrospect, we'll kind of be like, yeah, well, that was like a pandemic, you know. But with that being said, like, there's a lot of like really insanely bad and sad things happening, like, yeah, like 380,000 deaths in America, like, and that's that's kind of on the negligence of of the of the administration we have. So, so those are things that I don't want to take. I don't want to like joke about or take light lightly, you know. Um, well, yeah. and, and there's a balance to it. Like you want to be able to, you know, deal with life in the way that you can, and deal with humor as a uh, as a coping mechanism, as well as in you know just being humor, being humor. But it is, yeah. I mean, if I remember right, I think we're more COVID deaths than World War Two now at this point. If I remember, if I remember correctly, I think I heard that statistic. Uh, day before yesterday or something along those lines and it's you know it's an abstraction especially when you're just you know for the most part you know at home like looking at the same four walls you know except for the internet like it's easy to kind of like think about it non as an abstraction but, it, but it's that's crazy that's that's if you, that's more than you know uh, more than 9-11 that's more than like all these other things you think of as like, these terrible things and it's, it's just because it didn't happen like you know all at the same time like it doesn't make a difference like it isn't like a a, a a historical realignment of our society no of course it should be yeah well there's also this thing that people are talking about like fatigue where, where it's like after a while we're all kind of numb to it we're like oh yeah like yeah. I mean, because I remember when we hit the 200,000 mark and we're like, holy shit. And like, we're about to hit the fucking 400,000 mark. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, and, well, whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, and to me, I'm like, I'm thinking like my the craziest shit. My grandmother, my grandmother's 91. She got the virus and fucking survived. I was like, holy shit. But now it's like, well, my good friend Mark Waters has been in ICU for 16 days. Yeah. Can't breathe. Like, we got to fucking get Mark out of this, you know? Like, so, I mean, I'm grateful and appreciative that, like, it hasn't hit, like, super close to home. But, like, I know it will. I'm like, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Like, it, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's law of averages, right? So it's about, and, and it's, it's just so crazy too that of course we live in this world that there's not even agreed upon a set of facts about things we're like okay no i just don't think that any of that's real okay well in times you're be like well you're a fucking idiot you know go fuck yeah. off and like now it's like oh no like they have their own ecosystem of 
<laughs> stuff that that supports their worldview and allows them to act like basically total jerks to everyone. And and, and but it's but it's been that way because decades, right? Decades of like building up to that. It's been like a slow well, drip. I don't I don't understand the the like correlation between being a white nationalist and an asshole that that doesn't think that the <laughs> is like like like. Like QAnon, like, oh, yeah, the pandemic's just here to fuck with Trump. It's like the whole damn planet. <laughs> like, what an egotistical asshole to expect that. You know, so it's weird because, like, I'll go to, like, like during the summer, there was, like, a lot of, you know, uh, like, BLM protests and, like, people fighting for social justice. And everybody that was, like, on the left were masked up. Everybody on the right, not masked up. And, dude, it's crazy. There was this, like, white nationalist march last weekend by the beach. Every fucking asshole that was there for the white nationalist march was without a mask and all the people that counter protesters the people that were there to like you know reject that like all had masks on i'm like this what is going on with this shit man like i, I you know it's just wild I, I like when trump got or when it, all these fuckers in the administration got the virus i mean I, I i it was so hard for me to refrain from being like so on social media, like I fucking hope they die, you know, because like <laughs> right, I know it's hard you know, not to. It's yeah. like, you don't, you I don't know. You don't want to be an asshole about it, but it's also like God. That's like Shakespearean level of justice, right? Of just like, oh, of course he, and then he gets it. It's like, oh my God, it's yeah. happening, but it yeah. didn't. And not even one like <laughs> like player died, and that sucks. Like that just sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. They're too busy getting like baby's blood pumped in from the back room or something. I don't know. Some treatment that no one else has, that's for sure. From the pizza place. Or yeah, e- eating adrenochrome or, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. Uh, so, yeah, and, and, well, it's just, it's a, it's a wild time. That's, that's what I'm here to say. It's a wild time. Anyway, that's all, folks. Now, uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is because it's, 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 it's not like you can sit here and ignore it. The stuff's happening around you. And, and I feel like, you know, the best things of what I consider punk rock, however, you know, not as a sound, but as like a life ethos, it, it doesn't involve being cloistered from like, from everything. It involves like, you know, like, you know, being, Hey, this is, we're going to acknowledge that there's messed up stuff that's happening and we're going to deal with it in our own way. And I guess, you know, it's, it's it's just a it's just a very strange time to be creative too because it kind of seems like on one hand there's this okay everyone's bored so everyone's gonna like just make stuff and whatever and like some of it's good you know and that's cool but then it's also like nobody knows like when touring is gonna happen again so if you're an artist that is more than just a dilettante or something like well what does that mean for your life well it means you got this weird like uncertain future like Stephen King's The Mist like hanging out in front of you like what does that look like and and I gotta wonder for someone that like like, spends so much of his life in creative exploits whether it's you know your whether it's the bands whether it's the label like how do you deal with like that uncertainty how do you deal with like that uh that mist in the distance I mean the only the only like sort of odd thing is that like I can't I can't book a show and go play live, you know? So that's like, and, and obviously like, you know, this kind of stuff I do, like I'm not going to live stream like some shit cause that's just weird. So, so like there is a bit of a void and like some of my bandmates, like, like the guitar player for, for dead cross, like he's constantly like kind of freaking out about like not playing live. And I'm like, dude, I get it. Like, I mean, not like in a constant anyway, but I'm like, I get it. Like, yeah, we're, this is fucking weird. Like we can't, can't even like conceivably like, you know, talk about booking a show yet, yeah. you know, so it's weird. Uh, but like, um, 
aside from that, it's like, well, I mean, we're still pushing forward and, and, and people are still trying to find uh, uh, other ways to be creative. I mean, even like, even like the kind of weird live stream things, you know, which I, I think are, are, are like cool for certain artists. Um, uh, they're getting a little bit more creative. I think people are kind of like figuring out or navigating like a new, new terrain, which I mean, it's inevitable. I think, you know, and you want to talk about punk, not like punk rock, but punk, like, I think it's like, it's kind of, kind of like we're all bred to, to sort of like roll with whatever we are de yeah. dealing with, you know? Oh, nuclear war. Okay. Well, fuck, we're going to do this. Throwing our hazmat suits and get in the van. Yeah. <laughs> but, but not to like, you know, say like nuclear, is, nuclear war is cool, but like think about all the rad and weird art that came out of like the threat of nuclear war, yeah. you know? So, um, I mean, I'm assuming that like, the art and the creativity will, will just shift and go to another level of something and, and, and we'll be able to, um, it'll help us like adjust and, and I don't know now, you know, like just, I don't know, <laughs> ease, ease the, ease the pain of life, I suppose, or, 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 or at least push things forward in, in hopefully a progressive manner. So. I mean, so what's your what's your take on doing like live stream stuff? I mean, because there is obviously I think it's different if you're like, hey, I'm a person with an acoustic guitar who's singing songs of yeah. love. OK, cool. <clears throat> but that's not like, you know, how Dead Cross rolls. That's not how like <laughs> like a lot of like there's certain things where the, the visceral experience of like being in a room and having like the volume and that and that give and take is such an important part of it. Um, you know, that's that's daunting. I mean, it's. I, I agree. So like Dead Cross did this like weird uh, fucking promo, like with this thing, like it was like a halftime PBR thing. It was super strange, like with chicken wings and shit, but we played to, you know, like to no, no crowd, you know? And it was like, it was only three songs, but it was, I watch it and I'm kind of like, I'm glad I'm not the singer of this band because that's the worst fucking job. Like, yeah. like, you know, like in that kind of music, like I just kind of like stood there and played bass and like, but you know, I didn't have to like, Another like, I didn't require energy from the audience necessarily to get through it, you yeah. know. And and I and I wasn't I didn't want to phone it in, but I was and and my 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 action was like exactly uh, equivalent to what it should have been for like you know only like ten people being there, you know. So so like that's just the strange thing. Like I don't think I could perform, especially as a singer, or even like with the locust or something like in front of nobody. It would just well maybe the locust would because we're we're kind of like. Um, stationary you know it doesn't like we don't need like yeah. stage diving and, and and stuff but regardless to have the humans there makes uh, an exchange of energy exchange of uh, it's it, we're communicating to each other like these are things that are, are really really vital i think for the, that kind of art um but i don't know i'm not sure how i don't know <laughs> that's my answer i don't know that's not even an answer i don't know what that is that's my my, my well uh, yeah i mean it, it's it's messy but there's an everything about this is messy, right? So, and there is, I think that's often kind of downplayed when you think about people dealing with the pandemic and trying to, you know, how they want to present their art and this sort of assume that like, oh, we'll just throw up the iPhone and let's, you know, let's take some video. And it's like, well, not everyone yeah. wants to do that. And and that's okay. It's, it's some of it seems um, a little bit lazy. And, and, I, and I don't mean that in any disrespect <clears throat> because like, Again, like I did this, uh, I had like a, another talk earlier today with some friends and I was talking about the Mets performance that they did. I don't know if you saw, but they, it was like really well shot with a bunch of angles and edited very well. And I, and I get, and it was, and it was, it had value to it. It didn't seem like, again, like I wasn't just like, here, check it out. You know, like it was something. 
you know? Um, oh, I shit, think, portrait but, mode, my bad, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, like, we don't all have that that budget, you know? I, I don't, yeah. most of my bands or any, almost all bands don't have that kind of budget or, like, backing. But um, I think that, like, there's a way to be creative. We just have to, we have to invent that, you know? We have to go, like, yeah. instead of me just sitting on my phone and fucking, go, you know, going for it or whatever, there's got to be another level or there's got to be something that we can do to it. And I, I, I could spew out some ideas, but I don't know if there would be, um, you know, like even like, like scripted, like banter or, or like, I don't know, record, like record an audience, like talking shit. Like, and so the song stops and then there's like, you know, like a, like, I don't know, like a robot, robot voice being like, that sounds stupid, you know, or like something <laughs> like make it like more interesting. Try it tuning your guitar next time, you know. <laughs> well, the thing that I trip out on is a, 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 this a, a friend of mine. He's a producer. He he also is like is a DJ, and he'll like do these DJ things out of his house and like get tips. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Like, no offense, like that's cool that he's getting. <laughs> I'm psyched that he's getting. Yeah, tips nice, nice work if you can get it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, dude, you just were at home like playing music through the internet and you got like 60 bucks that seems so fucked yeah doing stuff like, he'd probably do anyway <laughs> i mean people like his music and, and what he's playing and stuff but like I, i'm trying to like i i just trying to think like jesus that's some fucking privileged shit you know yeah that's well i mean but it is something where you know, there there is that idea of, and you talked about it, like adaptability, right? Like saying adaptables, you know, and and making things that work that fit that fit the vision. I do wonder. Um, do you mind talking about a little bit how Dead Cross gets started? I think you're creeping up at about the fifth year of that band, right? It was like end end of 2015, if I remember correctly. Like near near the end is where. No, I don't. I don't, know if it's, I don't right? think it's been that. Long. Fuck, maybe it is. Years. Yeah, I don't know. It's it maybe for um. Yeah, what, about what do you want? What do you want to talk about? So uh, when it came together, um, so of course, and Dead Cross is uh, your band, Michael Crane, Dave Lombardo. So you started off. Uh, it started recording first, right? The, the, the idea yeah. was it started as a recording project and then kind of developed into into a live band. Um, well, we we were actually me and Mike and Dave were recording with someone else for for another person's album. And that ended up getting scrapped. But like while we were recording, Dave, um, his other band had like had kind of split up. It was called Film, and he said, "Hey, I have these shows. I need to put a band together. I don't know what to do." So you know, Mike Crane was like, "Let's start a band. It's in twelve days. Well, let's start a band." <laughs> you know, and they signed me up. I was like, Holy fuck! Like we have to write a, a lot of music or, or enough music to, to perform. And then that was kind of how it happened. You know, um, do you find which, do you find that you work well with like a deadline like that, where you got like. I mean, we did what we had to do, but in retrospect, I think back and I'm like, Jesus, like half of that album is really good. And half of it, it just kind of irks me. You know, I'm like, dude, what? I mean, and I give myself, or I give us all credit, like, fuck, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. Like, I feel like it, it took us um, until our second album, which, which we're still actually recording vocals for until we could like find our like real, the real skin of the band. You yeah. know, it was kind of like, Oh, now we're not like, you know, just thro- like throwing shit out there. You know, like we kind of like knew what we wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, throwing against the wall and see what sticks. I mean, I had a, I had a friend uh, who had a, a theory that a band has to play like ten shows before they like really find their voice. And I think about that like a lot, even like all these years later. And I don't know if it's necessarily true, 
But when you're coming in, no matter you know how much the affinity you have with the players, and no matter how accomplished the musicians are, there's always that kind of like, well, we're creating this vacuum here, and yeah. okay, let's I'm gonna do this, or right, I'm gonna do this. Okay, that sounds cool. Let's put it together that way. But it's it's interesting in the fact that most most bands that have you know notable members from other bands tend to be less than the sum of their parts but it has a pretty unique and authentic voice and it it doesn't sound like it's like one of the things that there's a word for that i'm not going to say and uh i I guess i wonder like how much of that was hey let's try to do some (laughs) you know some accused deep wound stuff and just see what happens and how much of it was like let's do this crazy thing like how much of it was intent and how much of it was just like hey let's see what happens when we put you know these elements together in the room yeah i mean it's weird to like have a starting point you know i mean even like like not just not to switch bands but like originally when the when the locust started our, our whole goal was to sound like crossed out and i think we completely <laughs> avoided that and, and and that's and that's cool you know i mean i, I love crossed out and i and i and i i'm glad that we we didn't sound like that but that was the the objective and so like I think, you know, with Dead Cross, I mean, we literally didn't even have enough time to think, like, what do we want to be like? <laughs> you know, right, remember, yeah, 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 totally. Like, you didn't even have the time to, to even, like, second guess it. Sure, that makes sense. Well, and, and another thing is, is like, uh, Dave and, and Mike um, were rehearsing in L.A., and I'd had, I had to come back to work, um, uh, in, you know, like, in between, like, sessions when we were when we were starting to like write the set for the 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 the, uh, the live set for the shows and i remember like driving up there i mean like fuck i hope they didn't write some fucking bullshit or like whatever <laughs> not, not that they would do that but you know what i'm saying like i'm like but you're not like, there it, you're not in the room exactly it, it's like you, but it can go like yeah. any direction you know and, and you know i'll get there and of course i'm like oh this is awesome you know but then but then it's like you kind of get there and your perspective strange. Like you can't really sit on it. You know, you can't sit on and go like, fuck, is this cool enough? Or is this brutal? Or like, because like, I think like some of the music on the dead cross, um, first album is like, is like too punky, you know? And like, I, I feel like, I feel like the objective was to be like super fucked and like brutal and nasty. And like, I mean, it's called dead cross. Like it should be like, it should be like fucking, you know, like, like sonically scary and and, and I, some of it's just like you know just kind of punky or not like menacing enough and i'm like ah we we, na- we nailed it on on this song and then we shit the bed on this other one but but i don't want to like be a dick and you know i think i think I, I need to give ourselves some credit because we were like under the gun and then we, we literally were like played two and you know two or three shows and then we're like in the studio recording <laughs> it's like right it was, yeah it's wild uh, and and of course, for people that are not well versed in the history of the band, uh, Gabe was originally involved in it. Gabe, uh, Gabe started yeah. for the Locust, and that's also just, especially with with something that's new, when you change an element out so early on before you've like really found the voice. In a way, it's it's almost easier for the new member, but harder for the people that already already are there. Uh, how did that all come to pass? I mean, that that was it seemed like it was kind of locked and loaded with Gabe, and then yeah, lo and behold, well, enter the patent. Yeah. I think like it was a lot of stuff. I mean, um, you know, the three of us were recording and, and, and we were like, let's put this band together. Who do we want to get to sing? And, you know, we kind of suggested a couple people and, 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 and Gabe was one of them. And, and Dave really loves Gabe as a person and as a drummer. And so it kind of seemed, and like, you know, Mike Crane and I worked with Gabe who was also previously in retox with both of us. So, so we're like, all right, Gabe, you know, and, 
the thing is like it was supposed to be three shows and that was it you know so we're like we're gonna do this three shows and then it was like oh shit uh nine shows and a fucking heavy metal cruise and all this weird shit and we're like what the fuck and we're an album you know and so i think like we kind of like got in it pretty deep like right away and gabe i think was like oh fuck actually i I can't like do this band full full time so like it was kind of a weird scenario and kind of a bummer because he quit about like three-fourths of the way through of recording the album so so like he but but with that being said like it's probably better that he quit and we scrapped all the vocals and started with the new singer than like release an album with one singer and then shifted and tried to do it with another singer. Like, yeah, you know, I think it worked out. Okay. Like black flag, pull that off, but <laughs> you know, no, few for a few cool. bands, is it, does it work that way really that where it, Yeah. But even like with black flag doing that, it still seems like such a strange thing. It, it, it's, it's freaking weird. It, it is very, yeah. especially, and I hate to say it in a way that isn't as weird when you like have a different bass player or a different guitar player in a way that's like, wait, what? Like what? I don't know what it is. The voice and the lyrics is, is very, very important uh, to most people, uh, especially if you're not a musician. You, that's the first thing you identify with. So I, I see I see that for sure. And then, you know, again, like talking about like finding our our um, our, our skin, it was like writing a second record with with Patton involved was like, oh, hey, we have the ability to like really hone in on on vocal uh, harmony and melody that can like accommodate with a riff or something. Yeah. There's, a, it was like another level, you know. But with that being said, like the stuff that Gabe tracked was just like next level vocals for that guy. I mean, he sang in like Rat's Eyes and 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 and, and um, you know, a few a, a few projects. But like it was it was like hearing that I was like, oh, this is this is like a new career for, for that guy. You know? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a talented dude, like. For sure, and it's 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 kind of a drag that you know he couldn't have been more involved with it, but it's it's uh you know what it's he is a is he a talent and I, and I feel like something where only true heads will know you know what I mean like you have to be kind of a music nerd <laughs> to realize that but uh, yeah, Gabe's a badass man. Yeah, uh, I mean Patton's okay too. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, <laughs> he's okay. It's all right. It's okay that Patton guy. He's got a future in this business. We, we, we played one show in San Diego where, where we did uh, the same song twice, once with Gabe and then once with, with, um, with Patton. And it was such a trip. Like, oh, really? Wow. It was a trip to do it in a row, like one in a row, like one, this song, and then do it again with the other singer. It was so crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I wish I could have watched it and not played it. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Because it's <laughs> almost like it probably brings out different things in everybody's performance. And, and uh, yeah. yeah, wow, that's wild. That would be crazy. Uh, Gabe was in a, you were in a Holy Molar with Gabe too, if I remember right, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like guitar in that band. Like, yeah, yeah, fuck, yeah. Uh, good band, like kind of often, I don't know, forgotten about, but like really not ballyhooed uh, as much as as some of the other ones. In- interesting band. Like I remember being very, very impressed when I saw Holy Molar play. Uh, <laughs> the whole the whole band was a joke for it was supposed to be a joke i mean it was it's like let's do all the stupid shit none of us can do on our other bands and it, <laughs> it was fucking stupid <laughs> well because you did that uh it was there was um well you, there was a, that x model split which that was another band that like i was thought was oh, like you know so good re- amazing songs and like the presentation is like wow this is this is like i don't think this has actually been done before and i'm fucking here for it yeah. Uh, yeah, but wild band, and th- and that was um, 
you know, another uh, another group of like awesome collaborators and, and and you know doing doing cool stuff. Did did was the, it, it conceived as like a limited edition thing? I mean, it was around like you know like like four, four five years something along those lines. Like it was around for I, don't a know. I saw you guys a couple yeah. times i know that i mean i think a lot of it is never like mapped out you know it's like hey let's do this thing and like see what happens and then oh you're moving or or you hate me or like whatever and so then we just kind of stop you know <laughs> you're moving in you hate me <laughs> well yeah moving in that happened too. but um i mean i don't think there was ever like a game plan and i and i think that's kind of cool like we're we're like it does fit into the traditional like um, term of like a project it wasn't really a band it was kind of a project yeah know? yeah yeah the no whole... i get it i get it that's that makes sense yeah I, I guess like looking at it just objectively and trying to like figure out what it was it wasn't ever supposed to be like a, a, a real band I, I guess now talk to me we've, we've talked this long and we, we barely even touched the locust which i think is Awesome and also kind of hilarious, but I, I, for me, the locust. I mean, is a couple things. Uh, not the least of which is I, I appreciate the world building of what the locust did, kind of making its own everything uh, around the band. But also the idea of like, hey, let's have Moogs with our blast beats. You know, let's let's bring the Devo into this. Like, let's <laughs> let's bring. And then also, hey, what are they doing now? Oh, they got you know these uniforms with these weird masks on. I'm like. How can they see what they're playing? You know, like like just this the presentation being I don't want to say it wasn't serious, but kind of like away from the idea of uh taking itself too seriously. Like, like especially the hard in the hardcore world, especially, I feel like there's a lot of like, no, this is this is serious business. We're doing serious yeah. music. And it's not like the music and the music was intense as hell. And you guys clearly put a lot of thought and energy into it. But the presentation kind of brought like, I don't know, a more fun element to it. And was that was that like something that just evolved? Uh, was that part of the original conceit of making the locust, like post Swing Kids and that? That's a really fucking great question. And it, it's I, it, when you were saying all that, I was like, oh, 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 like there's this thing I was going to comment on. So it's interesting because I think so. I can't speak for the rest of the original lineup, but when the band started, I, I had been in Struggle and Swing Kids, and and they were both very, very fucking serious. And like taking ourselves serious and almost and luckily like we were serious as a band and then our real lives were like as serious like it was like uh you know like we're working with jose palafox was like no you cannot have fun like we're communists we fucking hate the government <laughs> you know like everything was like everything was like super political and and, and, I'm, and i'm grateful for that especially as a 16 year old because it's it like kept me i like got to miss out on like all the stupid shit of being a kid and was like let's fucking overthrow the government you know or like let's 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 like fight you know nazis like those were those are those are like way better things than like figuring out what to do on like a weekend and like you know, like getting someone to buy us beer so like <laughs> right yeah yeah um so with the locust though like when we started again it was like the the idea was to sound like crossed out and and so we had a couple slight lineup changes right away recording and then people kind of not wanting to do certain things and the one of the singers that we had on the first record we did which is the split with man is the bastard dave he had a a, a moog synthesizer and and like only he like brought it to rehearsal and like only would play it in between songs and we're like dude you got to play that on the fucking record you know and yeah, he like yeah. wouldn't do it and it, and, and so so he quit, not because of that. 
him and the original singer, they were both two singers and a guitar player. They quit, Dylan and Dave quit because like they were moving or something. They moved to like, they were kind of like down for like the hippie stuff. And then they like went to like, I don't know, Harvest Weed or something. And so they split. And, and so Bobby and I were like, we're getting a fucking keyboard player. Like, yeah. that's it. Like, and also at the time, you know, we were like, we, okay, we both were like heavily influenced by like Devo and, and stuff. But also at the time there was shit like, like the VSS and, um, you know, like weird kind of like synth based stuff happening. So I was like, Brainiac, Six Finger Satellite. I mean, there, there's some precedent for it, but it's not. Oh know. shit. Hey, your audio cut out there. That oh, whole sentence. I, I was saying Brainiac, Six Finger Satellite. Uh, Dude, Six Finger Satellite. Yeah. Exactly. So, so we were like, let's get a synth and, and a synth player. And so, um, is this, it was like this incestuous thing in San Diego, Jimmy Lavelle, who was also in the Crimson Curse, and now he's kind of more known for album. Album Leaf, Leaf yeah. He, yeah. So he he's a, he was a guitar player, but we're like he knew how to play a piano and stuff. We're like, dude, will you play keyboards in our band? And he was he had this like kind of shitty like pretty shitty keyboard. I don't know what it was, but it was bad. And so Bobby and I found <laughs> one of those realistic, well, like like so Moog made these like um, uh, synthesizers that were available at. Um, um, Radio Shack, and they were like pretty small and like kind of like not that great, but they were they were perfect for what we wanted to do. And we found one. In a, Realistic is that is that the yeah. name of the brand? Yeah, I remember those. I remember those. Yeah, yeah. so they were like available, like yeah, I think like um, available through um, through Radio Shack. So anyhow, we found one for seventy five bucks at a, at a pawn shop, and we bought it and said, "Jimmy, play this." So so Jimmy would play like sort of the melody on on the regular keyboard, and they had a little a little I don't know like a like a joystick to bend it. Like, you know, like do all this kind of weird shit, but it was the Moog with the random yeah, shit, like the arpeggiation, arpeggiation, yeah, yeah, just like nonsense, like like let's add to the fucking garbage noise, you know. And so, but we were like, this is it, this is, and it made it kind of have this like weird science fiction vibe and brought the band out of like being um, anywhere near hardcore or anywhere like. Um, like crossed out. There's no fucking way we could be like crossed out with a keyboard player. <laughs> and it was, and that was it, you know, so that was like the first kind of like nuance that we, that we discovered. And also too, like we went um, on tour to Europe pretty, pretty quick. Like after we had started as the band. And I remember like people just fucking hated us because we had a keyboard player and then, <laughs> it, it was, it was wild, you know? Yeah. And I remember like, we were, I remember setting up at this show in, in England and, um, and the, and the, one of the guys from Doom was there, and I was like, oh, oh wow. my God, the guy from Doom. And he just was, like, nonstop heckling us while we we're setting up. And I was like, motherfucker, like, we're going to – this is it. It's on, dude. Like, you know, and so that made us play, like, even more brutal. Sort of like, we got to fuck this guy up, you know, just making yeah. fun of the way we look with the fact that we keyboards. And I just because we don't, like, have dreadlocks and stink and aren't, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. It was weird. You, know? but, you but, aren't wearing a black hoodie and don't have a beard? Uh, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> so it, that so was like, the guy the wearing first... a black hoodie, I guess I just realized. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the first, like, real thing where we are like, oh, shit, people, like, are totally not into this. This is rad, you know, and kind of pushed us. Well, I appreciate that about you because – as a live band, it was it was a fearsome presentation, but also there was this uh, complete embrace of absurdity uh, as well. But not letting that take away from the <laughs> the direct action, if you will, of of the intensity. And I mean, I was at shows where I saw people get super pissed off. I'm like, what are you pissed? It's a band play. What are you pissed off about? Yeah. But then we get like so worked up. And 
Like I was like, well, no what? What were they mad about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't know to this day. But that was was so amazing is that I can't, you know, I I hear tell, you know, folks that are older than myself that were like the first wave of punk rock of of, of like really insane reactions like that. But I'm like, I don't know if I've seen that that much. But I saw it a couple times with you guys. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like I've never seen like people get like worked up this way. Because then also there'd be like people dancing too, and there'd be people people yeah. like angry for reasons i don't know and uh the whole thing it, it seemed like as a live presentation like it'd be very easy to have a shtick band like a band that's like just does the shtick just does like the costumes and like whatever the confrontational wordplay etc cetera, etc cetera. but the fact of the matter is the songs were there the music was there hmm. and i think that's something where i, I mean it, it's 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 a weird kind of line to walk like you know one step more in one direction or one step more in the other direction it just doesn't work and i, I every time i said hey guys you landed it well i think like a lot of it was um you know we kind of set out like we again like like our i think our, our influences as far as like shifting and going towards like weirdo like new wave stuff was like you know devo gary newman um i don't residents even even going back like but this, so like we're talking pre like uniform days, but even like the uniform idea was kind of like Beatles ish. Like we, we were already kind of like taking cues from all these different like elements. And, and I think that's like an important thing, but for us, it was like, and especially for me, like coming from struggle and swing kids, like I was really, um, I really thought hardcore was fucking stupid, you know? And I thought it was, <laughs> well, and punk rock too. I think, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. With, so like with punk rock it was like the nihilistic shit that i was like this is really dumb and then with hardcore it was the macho shit and i was like this is also really dumb so like you know i felt like the locust um like sort of morphed into this like i don't want to say like intellectual like i don't want to sound like i'm sucking my own dick but like we were, we were everything was like everything was like but it was like we, everything came from an intellectual like perspective you know it wasn't just like we weren't just like doing weird to be weird for like the sake of weird. It was like, no, 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 let's do this because it's going to like challenge uh, uh, the audience or like uh, something or piss these people off. Like, let's do this thing that will like create a reaction. There was always like uh, uh, an underlying um, uh, reason for something to happen, you know? And that, and I think, and I think we, a lot of it was the opposition of like, of like macho hardcore and like yeah. nihilistic rock. And we were like, fuck these people. And, and, at that, at that, with, with, with saying like, fuck these people, it like gave, I think a part of the audience that were like the weirdos and the freaks, like almost like a voice or like power or, or like a, a community where like, the, you know, like, because then it, it took us a minute, but after a while, when we started touring with like Airborne Radar and like, you know, just about to bring that up. yeah, <laughs> but it, it took like enlightening ball. You're like, Oh shit. Like, okay. Like let's, cause we did some fucking kind of stupid tours, you know, like, that were just like Andrew WK. That was terrible. <laughs> I mean, I, Andrew's cool, but it was terrible. It was terrible to play to his audience, yeah. and it was, it was. Um, I don't know. There was a lot of like little things to kind of like ingest. But we also like tr we also like tested things out because like we were good, you know we're good friends with everybody in Rock from the Crypt, and they wanted us to tour with them, and and we were like, oh yeah, this is totally a bad idea. Let's do that, and we and we did, and like people were bummed, you know. With, um, were there some pompadour bum outs in the audience? I yeah, love I but, love Rocket to be clear, but yeah. so do I. And the thing is, like, they loved us bumming all their bands out, and I yeah. was like, okay. Yeah. But it, but it took a minute to like go like oh because then I remember we toured with Phantomos and and Melt Banana and stuff, and we're like, 
oh, this is easy now. Like there's all, all the weirdos. There's not like one asshole out there, you know? So, so, I mean, I think it just took a minute to kind of, to kind of find the nuance of like how to um, work with people because there also was like, I think you had mentioned like the, the banter and stuff or like the weird, like, like it was like a thing to go through the locust and talk shit to us. And it, and it yeah. got really tiring to like, to constantly just berate the audience that were like dicks. And you know, that it was like, usually there was like three assholes and two of them were like terrible with their heckles. One of them, you're like, Oh, that wasn't too bad. But for the most part, like every night you were like, man, this is fucking stupid. And like, it's all about the music. So like yeah, yeah. So it forced us to re rewrite our music to where like we would start the set and we would end the set and there's no time for dialogue. We would not stop playing. And we would even write music that had, with the complexities and the stuff that like, especially Gabe had to play on drums where like there were breaks for him to, to rest. So we could still be playing and, and, and he could kind of have a, a, a bit of a chance to catch his breath, to continue on in order to just eliminate any dialogue with the audience. And that was like that. And the audience created like, in a sense, the audience caused us to write safety second body last, which was like a 10 minute piece where there's like no time to have a conversation with us. And that, and I think that's how it should be because I don't really think that that's the place to, to converse with a band, you know, like yeah. while they're, while they're. It's not the place to work on your tight five, man. Come on. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it's like, it, it got really old, like hearing people say like, play the one the drummer knows or play the yeah. fast one, play Freebird. It was like, dude, this is so bad, man. Like occasionally there'd be a good heckle. I can't think of one right now, but I would say like, all right, finally, like there's a good one. I, I'll give you, <laughs> yeah. Gold star. It was like, that's really super rare, you know? Uh, so you, something that I thought was, uh, and you alluded to it, seeing playing with Airborne Radar, but uh, the Oops Tour, the one that ha- was with the Lightning Bolt and Airborne Radar. Um, at the Pink and Brown played the Bay Area shows, which I, I saw the Oakland and the SF show. Uh, oh, no, actually it was Gilman. It was Gilman and uh, SF. Uh, and... It was something where when that that tour got put together and got booked, I was like, "Wow, that's awesome!" Because all these bands are pretty rad. They don't all sound like each other, but they have a similarish approach to kind of how they deal with presenting their art, and it made sense. And it was something like, "Wow!" And and I'm like, and you know, when I looked into it, I assumed for some reason that it was just like a West Coast thing. I was like, "Oh no, they're doing this. They're like, they're they're taking this, <laughs> they're taking this show on the road." And, uh, you know, can you tell me a little bit about how that all came together? Like some of the experiences from it, you, you know, was was that yeah. a good experience? Cause it seemed rad from the two shows I saw. Yeah. So right before that, I think, you know, we had done a lot of touring with Jenny Piccolo and, and so it was kind of, we already like in our mind, like had like thought about the idea of like, kind of, kind of like coupling up with another band, obviously like a regular tour, but like on the Jenny Piccolo tours, we would end up playing with like reversal of man and Los Crudos. Me lie, and it was kind of like, so, so you're kind of like, oh shit, there's like five ripping bands on this bill. This is this is nice, you know. And there was like, and when you when you had that ability to like have your your family as the lineup, the audience also was like was your family. Everyone there is on the same fucking page, and it was really really cool. And so like, um, the oops thing was presented in in sort of a similar vibe by Brian Peterson, a, an agent um, and a good friend of ours who used to book at the Fireside Bowl in Chicago. Fireside Bowl, yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. Mr. MP Shows, Chicago show guy. Well, yeah, and so also he was in Eli and, and played a bunch of shows. Uh, and I think, so he had this idea, like, let's put this thing together. And, you know, it was the Locust, Air Barn Radar, Lightning Bowl, and then there was two regional bands, depending on where we were, 
that would open. And so every night it was five bands. And so if you looked at the whole list of bands that played that, it's, I mean, you have, you have Rob Ross, Quintron, Orthrealm, um, man, that's just, you know, like, yeah, it, it, I remember it was insane. And I remember being sad that like there were other, you know, like, Oh, so-and-so's playing that leg. That'd be so rad to see them play too. You know, like just yeah. in a good My way. Brother, Gun Hustle. Like, dude, it was crazy. And, and, and it was like, it was every night was like a, like a, a treat, you know? And it was like, and even, I mean, also too, like Airborne Radar is probably one of my favorite bands at the time. So good. Yeah. But so like every, every night was like a treat to kind of see the whole thing happen. You're like, Oh my gosh, we get to see, you know, Eraserada and, and Blood Brothers and then Lightning Bolt and then Airborne Radar. Like, and then we get to play like that's, it was, it was super wild and crazy to like think about that. And so, um, that really changed a lot of things. And I think, um, you know, even like we ended up becoming friends, like, I think like ended up becoming friends with people like the flying Lutenbachers and neon honk and like all this, like just strange, like, uh, my name is Rarar, like all the weirdest shit you could possibly imagine. And it was crazy because I, I think, um, lightning bolt and airborne radar had like a bit of tension where they were like kind of competitive with each other, which was odd. But for us, it was it wasn't like competitiveness it was it was like holy shit we just saw four of the most amazing things you're stuck we gotta be amazing you know or we gotta do our best and so nobody wants to be the the weak link in the the chain right (laughs) yeah but but the crazy thing is like you know after like watching you know get hustle and blood brothers and then airborne and lightning bolt you're like we don't we don't sound anything like, like any of those bands but and a that was like the stellar shit that just happened like we're gonna have to just jump on board and like try to do our best and like it was it was a crazy thing and i think i think like i think it affected a lot of people and maybe maybe it like inspired people to do things afterwards you know and and we tried to kind of keep that mindset like i think like a few tours later we, we we did one like one of our one of our last like real full tours was with cattle decapitation and daughters and bastard noise and so that was like the idea. Like that's another one. Every, everyone's it's like all an all killer bill. Like all everyone's a contract killer. Awesome in their way. And everyone's and every everybody was completely different. And I think that was like a really uh, interesting thing. Where like, I mean, you and not to like kind of throw it into like a, a giant pond or whatever. But like, but like that's like kind of the concept behind three one G to me because a lot of people say like, oh, that's got like a. 3-1-G sound and it's like what the fuck does that even mean <laughs> because again like yeah. you know the had all those all those bands except without you know like without lightning bolt like but all those other bands were part of that so it's like you know you you can't really compare the two necessarily but they make total sense together um, right. and i think that's it's like an anti-music industry kind of thing without being anti-music industry well and that's what was so striking about it is that it was you know, quite the expression of creativity and community without necessarily being focused on a profit motive. And it's just kind of not to say that everyone was, you know, like whatever, Hey, we're here for the commune or anything, but just like (laughs) not out to like make a buck on all of it. It was just like, wow. Like all these bands are like rad and intense as hell and they do their own thing, but it all like fits very well together. Like, you know, like, I don't know, like a Russian dinner or something has 17 courses because they do. Well, that's an that's interesting though, because if you think about like modern times, uh, like if you were to listen to Sp- a Spotify playlist, there's no fucking way it could it could provide that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, Good luck. <laughs> which is crazy because think about it. Like if you were if you were like, I guarantee you, like you could probably listen to like 
a daughter's Spotify playlist and you're never ever once going to hear Quintron ever. No, no, you're going to hear, hear Daughters Junior and Daughters Junior 2, you know, Daughters Junior UK is is what you're going to hear cuz all these everybody's kind of holding on to their genre as Lay Savvy Fab song goes. And yeah. I, I I don't necessarily know if that's I don't know. That that's that's Greg Pachota from Dillinger Escape Plan went on a long impassioned uh, I'll, I'll I'll say uh piece about it, but I you know, rant also works. And and you know, I am hard pressed to disagree. It is something where it's like it's weird that there's like a corporate thing that is sort of deciding that. Like, oh, you like this, then these are the things that you will also listen to. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we still have freedom of choice, but you know. But I mean, Dillinger is a great example because they were so hugely successful, and and as much and I love that band, and I, this is no disrespect, but, yeah. but a lot of that a lot of that music is like not listenable to normal people, and and I, and I and I think that that's, that's and I and I and I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. It's for the people. It's for, and that's rad. That's great. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And that's and I love that band too, especially because we did a, a tour with them, which was also sort of. For on our side, sort of um, oops ish, like they asked us to tour together and they said, okay, each band's going to pick an opener. And they, they picked, um, they picked this band, Your Enemy's Friends, to be their be the opener. But but we picked, um, we did regional. So we had Wrangler Brutes and we had Fourth Realm. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we just had Wrangler Brutes and Fourth Realm, but we might have had another. Oh, Dasso. Um, so we kind of like grabbed other bands. But um, it was cool to tour with Dillinger because um, they were so insane uh in their performance like physically insane that it made us um sort of like uh i don't know like because we, we we didn't have a we don't you know we don't have like a singer and we we're all like kind of like we stuck at our pedal boards and stuff yeah yeah and, and you're I, you're bearing down on your thing you're doing your stuff but, you know? <laughs> but it made us like obviously we had uniforms at that point but we made us like react and like almost like uh, like 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 Devo ish or something like we had like the movements and like the way we kind of like per- our performance was like oh okay so they're like they're doing like this crazy gymnastic shit you know like fucking leaping and stuff like I can't leap because I have I can't leave all these pedals right here so I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah what yeah. can I do it's a logistical like- difficulty <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, um, but but you're able to to pre- present the music in a manner, and it's, it's it's contrast, right? Like bands playing together, it doesn't have to be like affinity; it can be contrast. Like, it, but it's also influence because I love when people are like, "What are your influences?" and they expect you to say a bunch of shit. I mean, my influences are all kinds of things, but one of my one of the locust influences was touring with Dillinger Escape Plan, and it wasn't really necessarily a musical influence because I don't I don't think we sound anything like each other. It was a it was an aesthetical influence that wasn't like. It wasn't like, I don't know. It was out of like respect. Like, fuck you. You've like mastered that craft. We're going to master some other fucking shit over here. And like, yeah. it coexists in a, in a world and, and coexist in almost like, almost like elitist, you know, like, like, like both of us do our own thing and we love each other, but most of our fans or at least a lot of the Dillinger fans were fucking like super bummed on the locust, which, <laughs> which, we also, which we also like, appreciate yeah, you know? yeah like it yeah. Was- it's better than no reaction right i mean <laughs> uh, that's the best yeah totally when you get no reaction you you, you failed i think yeah yeah where, where it's like what you're not even pissed off come on man <laughs> like that's, yeah that's right no but it, it, i think you're onto something because you know dillinger was like a band that owned what they did they 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 
masters of their craft, right? And it's always nice to kind of be a fellow traveler or someone do and it's always inspiring for that even if you're not like i want to do that it's like no that's cool how you do that and how you own that and like you can find yeah. some uh, some 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 kind of comfort and some some joy in that really and that's sure. i don't know I, I think that that's really interesting and it's it is something where like you know i don't did i ever see i don't think i ever saw you guys with dillinger but like i was like that's a great hell yeah that's a great double bill yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know that, that that's awesome. I, I do. Want to... I think. Like, Go ahead. Well, I think like it's, it's speaking of Dillinger, like one of the the like most impressive things I've ever seen musically ever is that footage of them playing at the Virgin Megastore. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When Greg runs over all the way to the elevator on top of people, and like for one, like I don't want to run on top of people's heads, and I don't think I'd ever be in a band where people would let me do that. Yeah. But like that in itself is just. Is such great art, you know. Like, yeah. it's not musical. There was no music. <laughs> there was no musical <laughs> element running on people's heads. Um, but it was art and it was performance. And I was like, that is like the best next level shit at that time. I was like, fucking a man. And not that I was ever gonna try to do that. And that's yeah. and I think that's like the best art where you like see something and you're just like, oh, like level of intensity. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna go try to do this other thing. You right. Know? <laughs> right, right. I-, I love that so much. I'm gonna not try to do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it's uh, <laughs> there, there's a there's a band I know whose whose slogan was "We love Void so much we decided not to sound like them," which I was I that's thought great. That was, <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> uh, want to talk a little bit about our mutual friend I haven't talked to in a while, uh, Virgil Porter, and your burn my eye appearance with the incredible uh... Extreme Elvis. <laughs> Yeah, I wish that was like more. Um, I don't know. Is it online? I don't know if it's all it, online. It's, it's there... on, but it, it's like pre. It's it's <laughs> it's like somebody just ripped the DVD and put like the SD rip up up. Like it kind of looks not great, but yeah. But Burma yeah. I was a public access show yeah. about <laughs> music, and it was brilliant, and, and it was great. Uh, and there's a very there's a very great Locust episode where you're ostensibly interviewed by Extreme Elvis. This this yeah. this, this, this is the setup. Extreme Elvis being a San Francisco personality, performer, and musician that basically every part of what he did was part of the show, but a very thoughtful dude that honestly, like if you just were like, oh, it's a big Elvis impersonator who shits on the on the stage or whatever, like it's like, okay, you didn't really, you weren't really paying attention then because this whole point is to be transgressive. And the interview itself is at times kind of uncomfortable and like, tra- and, uh, and, um, aggressive almost (laughs) but then the point is the whole thing as a piece and i think that that's so interesting because at the time where the locust was at there's a lot of people that had similarish complaints about what you guys were doing they weren't really articulating anything more than just like you know quibbling and bitching but the extreme elvis thing is so great because first of all it's extreme elvis and the locust so we'll just stop there but (laughs) like did you know how much of the setup did you get from from virgil with it how much did you know about it ahead of time and how was that experience zero (laughs) good old virgil okay so like we knew virgil pretty well and he was like oh i want to do this we're gonna film it we're gonna do the interview and we're like okay extreme elvis you know okay that what that's an interesting shtick and he's basically like gg allen but elvis like okay cool so like we didn't really know a whole lot, and before the interview even happened, I remember Eraserada played the show, and I remember him like sort of berating them, 
in like a, a, a really fucked up, like sexist way, like, like all this kind of like crazy shit, like, but like not an, it's hard to explain. Like it wasn't enough to be like, fuck that guy. You know, we were just kind of like, well, it's kind of a, a piece of shit, huh? So then like, it, like, and then he comes into the, you know, the interview in our, in our dressing room and is acting like a fuckhead. And we're like, wow, this is wild, dude. And he, and he's coming at us, you know? And okay. So he's coming at us and physically as well as questioningly, like, I mean, like in some cases, like he's being like, you know, transgressing physical space too. Right. <laughs> yeah. But we were, we were like, we were pretty uh, open to it because he, he was, he like, he came at us like really aggressively and like, and like combative, you know, and we're like, you're on epitaph, you're sellouts, like, you know, like, and, but he like, he had a delivery and he had like this, he had like all this like paperwork with like stuff. And I remember like, I for one, stuff. everybody, everybody in the locus aside from me was fucking wasted. So that like, didn't really help because he was getting nowhere with anybody except me. And, and I'm like, you know, this bitter fucking asshole, like sober dude. I'm like, not like sober, sober, but like, you know, I wasn't like fucked up. And I was like, uh, and I was like looking at like Joey and Gabe, like completely wasted and not like responding to him. And so he kept like coming at me because I was the one that was responding. And I'm right. like, motherfucker, like this shit's getting like annoying, you know? And it got like pretty bad where like we were throwing shit at him. And at one point, we were trying to get him lo- like locked out of the room because we were like, get this fucking interview is over, dude. This is like not rad at all, you know? And I remember Joey peeing on him. And that was like, the that was like too far, you know? And it was yeah. fucking crazy. Because we, we ended up, like, getting him out of the dressing room and, like, locking the door and then being like, God, I fucking hope that guy leaves. What a mess, you know, and, like, whatever. And so Virgil was like, sorry, and we are just, like, still had no idea. So, like, we waited a while, and I figured, okay, you know, like, we got to load out. Like, everyone, like, the people at the, those are the Great American Music Hall, they're like, you know, you got to load out. Like, what the fuck? And, you know, I'm like, dude, everyone's wasted, and we just got so arguing with this fat guy, and, like, this is bad. <laughs> and so, like... I remember like going out of the dressing room and going upstairs and he's sitting there and he's like, that was a fucking excellent performance. Thank you. And I was like, Whoa, dude, what the hell? Like, right. And he was great, really good performance. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm confused. (laughs) You know? And I was like, wait a minute. Whoa. And I was like, dude, you're on the level. And he's like, yeah. I was like, holy shit. I thought you were just a fuckhead the whole time. And he's like, like, and it was like, he was the he was the most brilliant human being. I, I love I like generally was like I love this guy so much. I think he was great. We actually did another performance with him at Gilman that was like questionable, <laughs> like super questionable. Because did did you happen to see that? I I, I must I must have because I I rem- I remember it, but I don't really remember what 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 happened at there. I, I, mean, I saw you guys two times at Gilman. I saw I saw I think that show and I saw the Oops Store. It's the only times I saw you at Gilman. Well, he, he can't. I don't remember what happened. What do you do? Because I saw Extreme Elvis a lot, man. I, I gotta admit, like it's amazing. And every performance is amazing, but some of it kind of runs together. Where I'm like, was the chicken yeah. on that show, or was it? You know. <laughs> um. I again, it was like, hey, you wanna? Um. He's like, you know, we were friends at that point. We're like, he's like, oh, I'll come out to the show. I'm like, cool. You want to like do like an intro or like a piece, a stand, you know, like do a piece before we play. And he's like, sure. No, no, like conversation or whatever. So he comes out and we're all like all set up and ready to go. So he comes out with the mic and he like, first of all, he just berates the, the, the audience. Like it just, just tears them apart, tears apart Gilman, like right. just fucked up offensive shit to like, you know, like literal like kids, like, <laughs> 
my, mommy and daddy for, dropped off their 14 year old at the Gilman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if there's anyone that looks remotely old there, he's calling him an undercover cop and he's like saying all this shit. And then he starts talking shit about Epitaph and about how he signed Epitaph. It was like right after Plague Soundscape. So he's like, he's like, well, you know, like if your fans aren't going to fucking eat shit, you got to eat shit. And he like, oh, no, no. Okay. So I fucked it up. So he's like, he's like, drops his drawers and he's like now i remember it by the way yeah he's like he like has this adult diaper on and he's like everyone you know when you sign epitaph you you know you're you're fucking eating shit like blah, you know like whatever like and he like pulls this diaper off it's covered in shit and i'm like what in the actual fuck and so i'm standing there like taking cues from from the the like dillinger shift where i'm like all right i'm a robot i'm like sitting <laughs> there's like a gigantic elvis guy with the diaper coming towards with, my face. With a full load. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I'm, I'm just trying not to, you know, I'm trying like not to respond. Like that was our whole thing. Yeah. And he's like coming up and he's like, and then he's like, all right, well, if you're, if you're, you know, and I like, just, I like move just a little bit. I was like, oh, this is bad. You know? And I remember like kind of making eye contact with him and I, and I guess he could see through my, 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 my mask that I was like serious. Like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And, he, and then he said, all right, well, if you're not going to eat shit, your fans are going to eat shit. And he like tosses this diaper full of shit into the crowd. So then I'm thinking like, okay, there's a, a dude with his fucking crazy dick, <laughs> micro dick and a diaper full of shit. And then we just like bust into song and, and like, I don't know what happened. I don't know where he went. I like the song happened, you know, stage dives and like everything kind of happened and we're just like, cool. And then at the end of the set, you know, when we're done and loading out, I'm like, dude, that was kind of fucked up. And he's like, it was chocolate, man. He's like, I wouldn't really like try to rub shit in anybody's face. And I was like, holy crap, dude. I was like, I thought that was like really like diarrhea or, you know, whatever. And so, um, he's a brilliant brilliant man <laughs> yeah it speaks to his brilliance that i had to hear some of the details before i actually remembered that performance because it's it's <laughs> it was like that every night with him it was and it was i think one of my, my favorite extreme elvis shows was he played the curve bar by the by the ballpark which is like you know it was a sports bar that matt shapiro decided to like hey let's up let all the deviants and weirdos in to like do like weird shows here and like bum out the people after the game and uh <laughs> He he uh, was singing "Suspicious Minds," and at this point, he was completely naked and uh, taking the mic around the room. And there was just a guy that was, you know, full on baseball hat wearing, baseball hat, uh, baseball fan bro. That was just seven sheets to the wind, and <laughs> in the denouement of the song of "Suspicious Minds," he just started peeing. And uh, he just started peeing, and he was by this guy, and this guy like kind of like kind of he he was like had his back turned to the stage, and he just kind of slowly turns and like has this look of like drunken confusion that suddenly like turned to abject horror, <laughs> that turned to revulsion and then confusion again, and it was one of the most amazing things I ever saw, and I I I I'm not super proud of myself, but I just busted up laughing. Because I was like, yeah. right, I was like five feet from this guy. I'm like, fucking amazing. And yeah. also, by the way, he nailed suspicious minds. Like, it was a brilliant performance. Like, it was, <laughs> and this is while it's happening. And like, maybe three other people like saw it, but like, and I'm pretty sure that dude got his shoes pissed on too. But you know, whatever. That's stuff happens when you party naked, literally. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's the Burn My Eye performance. I believe it's on YouTube. Uh, it's, you know, compared to like 
everyone's got a freaking movie studio in their pockets these days, you know, footage-wise. But I think it's still worth a watch. I saw it not that long ago and was very entertained by it. I think it's one of the best episodes. Oh, man. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about the uh, Cecil B. Demented thing. Um, okay, well, it's John Waters, and that's awesome. Yeah, you um, said John Waters <laughs> That's for song you say yes, right? I mean, that's that's kind of how I would look at it anyway. Yeah. Um, we there was this like um, there was this punk rock comedian named Isaac Ramos and his and his friend worked for John Waters. And so I guess his friend uh, showed uh, our record to John and at some point, you know, we we got like hit up by someone. They're they're like, We want to license music for the movie and we're like, whatever you want, you know. And so they licensed two songs from our self-titled album and then and then that was and then it, you know that was it and then um yeah that was it um i mean we 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 became friends after that in a, in a kind of a kind of an, an odd way or a funny way because we we had no like direct um interactions with with john waters um you know aside from like i don't know like a manager or like a label or i don't know who it was but it like didn't even we didn't even touch it you know like um, and so he was performing in LA and, and Joey and I went to go see if we could get in and it was sold out. And the crazy thing is, uh, at the El Rey theater across the street is a Staples, like so office supply. And they sold the giant real rolls of, uh, of like raffle tickets. And that was what, that's what they used, um, for, uh, the guest list tickets. Okay. Um, so like on the guest list, they gave me this little red raffle ticket. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just, the, the little, like, keep this, keep this ticket thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for $1.98, we bought a whole reel, and then we all got in to go see John. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's punk rock ingenuity. That's good. Yeah. It was like, well, how else are we going to get into this sold-out show? And so the thing is, uh, we were pretty psyched because Peaches was opening, and we were really into her. And and so we're like, oh, cool, cool. You know, and then so John, so she performed. John did his his, um, his stand-up piece. And then, and then afterwards, he was, like, taking questions. And he, it was really weird because he came out into the, into the audience and was um, – and was like taking questions like right up like to people and it was and like signing stuff it was really strange because i was like how the hell like like this seems like a bad idea for him you know to like come out and like mingle and then i realized oh we're still in here because we have the red uh guest list pass the the, the faux guest list pass yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) So, so like there was all these people and they kept like shoving like shit to him to sign like little little trinkets and books and stuff and I remember thinking, like, fuck, man, they're not going to let up. Like, and so I just said, like, I was like, I felt so bad for this woman. That was, he was like signing this woman's like thing. And, and I was like, John, hey, man, it's JP from The Locust. I just want to say hi. And he like literally like just drops her shit and like turns and like grabs my hands and goes, I, I would like to meet you guys. Or hold, like, I'd like to talk to you guys. Like, like hold on a minute. And I was like, oh, shit. Wow. That's okay. Rad. Yeah. And so then he like talked and, you know, did a couple of things. And then he, and then he like said, okay, let me go up to this other guest list area, like the backstage thing. And so we went up there and shot the shit. And then that was like how we became friends. And it was, it was just the craziest thing that we snuck in. <laughs> that's a, that's show. amazing. Yeah. You had, you had to kind of punk rock grift your way in to, <laughs> to the thing in the I mean, first place. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, there was no like conversation. It wasn't like he reached out and was like, Hey, I want you to be in my film. It was like, you know, someone else did it. I mean, he chose a, us and, and the songs, but like, you know, we didn't have any like connection with him up until that point. But now it's cool. Like, we'll I'll go to his house and we'll go out to dinner and shit. Like, it's pretty rad. So he seems like he'd be a pretty guy. rad dude. He is. He's awesome. Yeah. 
I, I don't want it's been told many times in other formats and uh, I almost get annoyed when people talk to you about it. But is there anything about the Jerry Springer thing that has not been talked about or something that hasn't been covered in some way, shape, or form? Um, I wrote about it extensively in, in one of my books. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then there was like a recent piece that. Because um, it just doesn't it. die. It just keeps coming. It like it seems to like come back. Like. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a little annoying at times like when i'm on tour with the locust and people people like associate it with a locust thing and i feel like bad for the rest of the band like i feel like maybe they're annoyed with me but i do think it's a, a pretty cool accomplishment and oh, yeah, I, it is it's like one of the, it's one it's 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 a punk rock moment when there just wasn't that same when there wasn't that same like cultural uh diaspora where people could could engage on that way you know what i mean like it was something like whoa like it was more it was more just like he's on tv you know yeah. <laughs> like on the jerry there, springer show like crazy but there was a lot of that kind of infiltration you know i mean even like earlier you know like before before me that you know they would see like dudes from like agnostic front or, or fucking yeah well, i don't know who uh, maybe not Agnostic front but like, you know like jello and, and stuff like that you know gg and then um but even like you know i think like martine from los crudos is on donahue for breakdancing and like you know, there's like the little, yeah. the little things here and there, but I think the timing of, of the Springer thing and the, and sort of like the, the, like, the, like, um, just sheer audacity, like it made it like a thing and made it kind of like special, like I suppose, or, or, or I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, and Jerry Springer's like, you know, I, it, it blew me away when I was like, Oh, that, that dude was like the mayor of a city. And like, you know, like he actually is like a pretty cool guy. Like he's a No, no, he was a total fucking dick. Was he a dick? Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, he only he only like wanted to talk to the ladies. Like he, uh, he was really fucking rude to everybody that to yeah, if you were like not like a hot Well that's why you said that in the thing. What am I talking about? Of course, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's fine. I mean, maybe he would have been cool to me if I was hotter or something, but you know, like I, I looked pretty stupid and I think he was just probably like, Who the fuck is this guy? Um but whatever, it's a, he's a he's also a performer too. You you know like yeah. I mean I, I I saw like more stuff than than was you know aired on the show and 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 he he definitely knew how to work it you know and and I and I could appreciate that for, for sure. Yeah, owning owning the craft of you know jackassery intended to like make the entire culture more more mundane. You know, just an objectively yeah. stupid thing celebrating the stupidity. Sure. He owned yeah. it though, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good on him. Uh, <laughs> so the we, we talked a bit about the you know kind of Mogus and Blast Beats uh, kind of locust thing. Did, did you ever feel that? And again, you also mentioned you know there the, the, there was some you know the 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 heckling like you know longer songs et cetera et cetera. Locusts are like generally fast songs with like very audacious song titles. Like what did you have like a, like a book you kept like song title ideas in? Did you did, like, how did, how did the song title get attached to the song? What was the process with any of that? Well, it depends on who wrote the song, uh, the lyrics. So you like, we all kind of wrote the song musically, but as far as lyrics go, it was typically one of the members writing the, the lyrics. So, so we would like, we would divvy it up like, all right, this one's yours, Bobby, this one's yours, Joy's, you know. So we'd each take it and like the, the titles are kind of, it's like your thing. Like that's how, that's how it worked. Um, I mean, occasionally there was like, like, I don't want to steal, you know, someone else's work, but like Gabe had like made 
he like had said anything Jesus does, I can do better. And I was like, that's a fucking song title, you know? And so he wasn't writing lyrics in the band. So I was like, I'm using that for a song title and that, that you know, but for the most part, it was like, you know, like, uh, I think, I think on the first EP, like Bobby wrote the, 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 I don't even know halfway to worthless ideal arrangement and interlude to a discontinued sarcastic harmony. Yeah. Whatever as the song title, which like took you longer to say it than the actual song could be played. Yeah. <laughs> but that was kind of like the first thing like, people were like, what the fuck? That's a title of a song. And so then we were kind of like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, like that's kind of cool to kind of bring another, to kind of, to kind of throw another, 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 piece of meat on the you know on the grill you're just like oh yeah we can we can also do that because normal normal people don't write <laughs> titles like that you know? yeah it's not something that uh you know smash mouth is probably not working that of smash mouth why is that what i went to whatever you know what i mean <laughs> but i mean like i mean for instance how do you say um priest with the sexually transmitted diseases get out of my bed in in, in, a, in a normal song title you know that's that's the title that's that's like the but that's more of a lyric, but but it is a title. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think who who gives who who's the one that decided that your your song title should be like one or two words? <laughs> it just seems like a waste. I'm gonna. I think you could say more. Well, and it, and it's a uh, opportunity f- to kind of show the ethos of the band too, and, and like show that there are these maybe self aware but sort of advanced concepts. Uh, that are going on, but also kind of like, also that's just a funny thing to have a song be called too. Uh, and, and, and it's something where it worked on both levels and, and it's, I think that was done to other effect as well by other bands like Don Caballero did it. And was like, Oh yeah, I like SCTV too, you know, right on, you know, good for you. But sometimes it's annoying. And like, it, I, for me, it never got, it never got annoying in a bad way for you guys. And I think that that's uh Again, that's a hard line to to walk. So, uh, props for that. But I, but I, I I think you know it, it, a lot of a lot of the aspects of annoying are, are 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 cool. You know because it's the good kind of annoying. Yeah, exactly. Like like there's there, there's there's annoying where it's like wow that's just mediocre and annoying. And then there's like oh that's wow that's like blatantly obnoxious and I kind of love it. Yeah, I mean there's people that really generally like noise music. That just seems like just fucking insane. You know, <laughs> but. I mean, I like some of it a lot, you know, but but, but that's a thing. Like the 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 people really uh, grab onto noise. You know, that's annoying. I mean, there's a lot of annoying things in life that I I feel. Um, I don't know. I mean, even beyond musical elements or artistic elements. I mean, annoying. I mean, I was I, I trolled Donald Trump on Twitter for the last four years. That's super annoying, you know. And 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 it was. You know, it served no purpose. He was never going to read it, you know, but I, I had fun like just talking shit. But, uh, you know, and a lot of my tweets, I think, were like kind of like, oh, that could be a, that could be a song title or like kind of helped, you know, like create. <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of work through the process and can kind of kind of find some some nuggets of gold within the uh, within the quips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I the, So uh, last thing, I also want to kind of speak a little bit to. TJ to Tijuana, uh, San Diego for those, uh, and there are a lot of international listeners to the show, but San Diego is sort of like the last stop in the U.S. before you hit Mexico. And there was a quite the vital TJ and San Diego kind of crossover uh, for a very long time. 
Uh, could you speak a little bit to Tijuana in general, like seeing shows there, like you know, playing shows, all all that kind of stuff? Like, I feel like that's a weird closed chapter to a certain degree in Donald Trump's America <laughs> of punk rock history, and and I just think it's so interesting. So, could you tell us a little about that? Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to give that guy too much credit. I, I don't think he's going to stop it. You know, I mean, I think it's just, I mean, He'll I think the, the, yeah, but I think maybe the pandemic more than than Trump. Um, Good point. All right. um, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So um, when I was when I was um, about when I moved to San Diego when I was twelve, and I I think maybe by the time I was thirteen, I found out about this place called Iguanas, and it was um, this venue and and TJ that was a lot larger. I, I don't know what it would be equivalent to nowadays, but for instance, um, uh, I, I went when it was eighteen and up, and I was only thirteen, so I got a fake ID. And I went down there and I saw like, I saw some of the craziest shit happen there. So like at the time I liked bad religion, you know, I saw bad religion or I saw GBH, Guar, um, I don't know, neurosis, MDC. Um, damn, man. I saw so much crazy shit there. Circle jerks, PIL, bad brains, all these bands would play there. And, 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 and that was where you would go. And I don't know why they wouldn't play in San Diego or if they played in San Diego, it would be 21 and up. So I, yeah, I had a better chance. Yeah. And, and by the way, as a, as a, as a 13 year old, I looked like a 13 year old, you know, so it was kind of, kind of crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's some 13 year olds that look 30 where it's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> but a DJ, it's lawless. And they were just kind of like, you they wanted your money, you know, so for the ticket, you're like, whatever. Um, so I would go in there and, and see shows all the time. And that was, a, that was a really cool thing. And it was a trip because immediately when I started playing music, <clears throat> when I was 15, I played a show down there with struggle. And that was crazy too, because we played in this courtyard and it was this international workers day thing. And it was all these people that were totally not into punk and metal and stuff. And we performed to like, for like older, old, like working, like normal working class, like real working class people. And it was strange to play, um, in this scenario, you know, it was, it was not like a, uh, a punk thing, you know, it was, it was, I mean, it was punk, but not like punk rock, you know, and it was such a strange vibe. And so that was kind of like my first introduction to, to like how to navigate playing down there. And then, you know, then, uh, then of course, like later on, I went to see like my friends played, um, that band filth played down there. I went to see filth and, and there was yeah. this, the DEA raided the venue and, um, and and I and I it was eighteen and up and that was when uh, they 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 lined everybody up and they were like they were busting someone or for something and they they carded me and they asked me about my 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 birth date and I was like holy shit and I didn't know the real uh, I didn't memorize the date the, the date was, was on your fake ID yeah yeah and, and so he was, he, was, he was like you're you're gonna go to jail and so they said wait here and they were like you know doing all the things and they, like going through everybody lined up. And someone had a bunch of uh, a bunch of meth or something, and they tried to they tried to sneak out of the bathroom window, and they and the and the DEA shot him and killed him, and so they ended up letting all of us leave. Wow. <laughs> so I yeah, was so just, suddenly fake IDs are small potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I was so grateful that you know, my mom didn't know I was down there, and like I just thought, yeah. and in Mexico too, like which that's the one thing that they are not exaggerating about when they uh, you know in movies and stuff like that is you do not want to go to a Mexican jail. No. Yeah, it was crazy. So, so I had a, a lot of interesting experiences down there, but I was luckily enough, you know, luckily enough I was, Oh yeah. Also to all my friends, I went down there with Matt Anderson from heroin. And I remember like, 
and Rick Froberg um, was with us, and they were they were they were all on acid, and I was just like, holy shit, and I wasn't on acid. And this is a bad. Here I am, like underage, in j- going to jail in Mexico, and all my friends are on acid. But um, yeah, it worked out. Um, yeah, things always kind of work out as long as you don't die. You, you, <laughs> Tijuana, great time as long as you don't die. Well, that even you can equate that to the pandemic or whatever. Right, 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 right. Now that that's wow. That's that would that would be a very different life course if that had gone a different way that night for sure. Yeah, (laughs) but but again, too, you know, throughout the the years, uh, I've had so many friends and bands that that have that have shared members on both sides of the border, and it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily seem like another country. It, it seems, seems like, very fluid. It seems like there's a kind of a cross pollination between everything. Totally. So. Like most of my bandmates are in Los Angeles. A lot of, a lot of my friends bandmates are in Tijuana. Like it's this, yeah. it's sort of the same thing, you know, man, Tijuana someday, but yeah. we'll, we'll be able to, <laughs> we'll, we'll be able to, to move freely again. I, I, I believe it in my heart of hearts. Uh, talk a little bit about planet B. Uh, I think that's such a, it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. Uh, was that was that born out of doing the Asia Argento soundtracks? Is that is that correct? Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, that was how that kind of started. Um, we wrote you know some material and then and then kind of wrote some songs and 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 then and then I think we only had we well yeah we had like two songs for the for the soundtrack that Gabe and I wrote and then and then we had the soundtrack stuff. Um, like the scoring, and then and then we we got asked to play this live show at this at this li- at a library with a screening of the movie, so that kind of forced us to sort of um, like reconfigure it to be uh, an actual band, and so then we started writing music, and then became a band eventually. Um, was was there yeah. different intent when you're yeah putting together something that's like going to a film versus like oh I'm making music for a band like what did, did it hit differently? Yeah, because uh, Azia said she wanted uh, one. Is that how you or... say it? Have I, have I been mispronouncing her name all these years? Christ. Um, it's funny. I asked her how to say it when I first met her, and she said you can just call her Mud. And I was like, <laughs> I think that's like, I think that's like a. Uh, is that like a Primus? I think it's a. Primus. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. A, it's wow. definitely a Primus song. I mean, my um, name's Conan, and people have been mispronouncing my name since the dawn of freaking time. So it's like I'm, I tend to be sensitive on that, but I now realize I've been mispronouncing her name for like years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I think she doesn't. She doesn't care. Um, so she just said, "Write two songs." I care. Song. I care. Anyway, go. <laughs> when I was a little kid, uh, my mom called me JP because there was all these Justins that lived in lived on our block. There was actually yeah. three Justins, so I became JP, which was fine. And then for some fucking stupid reason, these jerks at my school, they didn't like me. And they decided to call me JPP in my pants. And I was like, dude, oh, I don't come even. come on. <laughs> but I remember I kept, say, I kept saying like, you know, I don't pee in my pants. You guys are fucking stupid. And then they ended up beating me up. And I was like, this is like, this is just lame. Um, so anyhow, I get it. Um, <laughs> well, get well, it. well, try being named Conan around the time of Conan the Barbarian. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's no JPP, but. It's, it, it wasn't like Conan now, like, I mean, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger now is pretty rad. And, and um, when Conan, Conan O'Brien, Ma- when he became popular, my life became way easier. I was like, yeah, pronounce it like that, dude. Yeah. He's pretty cool. He is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, th- th- let's not talk about my name. Uh, so, so Planet V. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Aja. Uh, I think- Aja Argento was, uh, there was, there was, there was a film, there was movie, uh, soundtracking to be done. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, she had a very specific uh, goal to have two songs that were um, for the film that were like '80s kind of punk-ish. So, so that was the two that Gabe wrote, and then the rest of the score was based on these melodies that she had. So, so it was kind of, I mean, nothing like uh, the material that we ended up doing, you know, because for for Luke, he was um, Luke Henshaw. He's he's you know his his instrument is the MPC uh, or two of them. So, so and also he's like a hip hop kind of hip hop dude mainly. Um, I mean, he does all kinds of stuff, cumbia and <clears throat> what and all these other kind of bands, but but like that's kind of like his jam or whatever. And um, so he, and essentially we ended up kind of working in elements of hip hop. And, and then right. by the way that he would say like, suggest vocal phrasing or like the way that the, the beats were, the structure was it essentially, I ended up rapping um, without like rap, like being a rapper. And so, so that was, kinda, that was kind of like a thing that wasn't really thought out. It just happened. Like, we're going to keep writing music and we, we, we worked really well and got along really well. And then it was a trip because I would hang out with him in the studio and like kind of his, his homies that were like from the like graffiti world and the, and the hip hop world would hear it and just be like, what the fuck? This is crazy. You got to go like to these rap battles and do that shit. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> like, like, like eight mile, you know, I don't know. Like here I am like the stupid white guy or whatever, but I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, yeah, you, you know, like, no one ever, because they were kind of just like you're. It's basically like rap, you know, and you're yeah. just fucking super brutal. Well, and you're now, coming uh, at it from a place that's from your lived experience and from your musical background, which is going to be way different than like someone that's uh, coming from that musical background, right? Sure, and but 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 musically and structurally, it's very similar. Like there's 16 bars and the and the and the, and the verse and the chorus is like set up, and and you know, and 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 Luke would always kind of nudge me to to like sort of work in these sort of vocals that were almost you know in the in the like artistic realm of hip-hop and 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 i and i was like okay that's i get it like that's cool like little things you know that were hard like like instead of saying like motherfucker like (laughs) like say like motherfucker you know and i'm like wait a minute dude that's not that's not me but like i'll give him credit like he he really did push for certain things to kind of come out a certain way and I, and it was it was awesome, but the my, the problem that him and I struggled with initially was like making these beats that were kind of like that were cool and 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 sounded rad, but sounded like they needed they needed a rapper on them, not a dude that's yelling like super. <laughs> no, that totally, because that that, that's a distinction, right? That's a huge well, distinction. Yeah. yeah. So so when we first started writing together, it was it was it was pretty it was pretty grim because I kept saying like, I kept saying, dude, I feel like a total shithead yelling. Like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I can't, like, it sounds like an annoying guy screaming over like this really cool thing. <laughs> we, we were like, we were trying to work on this Britney Spears cover and, and all this weird yeah. shit. And it just, it was like, it was just strange and not really, um, it didn't really make sense for a while. until so I said, make the, make the beats harder and bigger and meaner and, and more aggressive so where they warranted a person yelling on it. So it was, you know, I, and, and too, like, you know, I listen to a, a lot of hip hop now with a different perspective where, where I, where I wonder why, why is there not aggression there? Or why is there not like, especially with like SoundCloud rap and stuff, it seems very one dimensional. There's like the sound and then there's like a dude kind of mumbling and then that would never work for me. Like, I think it needs to be like, a, like essentially like a, like a hardcore band, but, but rap, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost like, you know, 
Portishead beats with like HR doing his bad brains thing over it, you know, would like I, I would be super interested to hear what that sounded like, but it wouldn't. It would probably be kind of jarring, you know. It wouldn't necessarily yeah. be. Uh, it would be two great tastes, but do they taste great together? <laughs> but that, but that's a good example, like because the Portishead beats are are are, are very. There's a nuance to it where it had like a sense of coolness to it, where, where a lot of Luke's original pieces that he was writing and wanted me to sing on was was almost too cool. And I, I said, man, this is, it needs to be like it needs to be annoying and and just fucked up, you know. And it, can you mean it up a little bit? <laughs> I mean, it's great. I mean, he and I have had an insane amount of conversations trying to find the right dialogue to explain like the 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 essence of like how to make it just sound. But that's cool. I mean, that's cool though, because like some of it has almost like a you know like sci-fi feel in some cases, and you know it, it hits differently because of I think you know whatever isn't 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 is not uh, communicated in the conversation. Like what happens in the middle can be actually more compelling than maybe what either either side originally intended. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So so that's an interesting thing because I think I think it it kind of happened on accident, which is which I'm. <laughs> Well, it, but same with like, same with the locust or or most of the other projects. Where even 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 like where Dead Cross is headed, like I think the accidents are the are the are the are the where it shows like um, <clears throat> shows an uh, element of sincerity, you know, and and honesty. Um, where where you don't really realize what you just did, you're just like, oh shit, that just happened, you know. I mean, there's influences, and that stuff can that stuff will make itself heard at times. But for the most part, I feel like maybe it was accidental and that shows honesty. It's like so. a Bob Ross. It's a happy little accident, a happy little tree over here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if, if, I, if Luke and I were like, let's start a hip hop band, it just that would have been terrible, I think. I think we had to do all this stuff <laughs> and, and everything else. How did, how did the uh, collab with Cool Keith end up? coming to pass like what's the what's the story there that's that was pretty that was kind of like a that was definitely a two great taste that tastes great together but totally expect <laughs> unexpected kind of situation um someone introduced us to him and we just hit him up and he was into it and that was that the, the dude is insane um yeah it seems like that's a it, dude that like marches to his own everything right i mean like he's got his legitimate. own <laughs> yeah like uh you know it, it worked out really really well um i think the song and we went and recorded um, a bit of a video that we that we released for for the song with him. Um, I was on tour with with Dead Cross actually, and and that night I, I was said, oh, I'm playing um, playing. You want to come out to the show? And 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 um, recently before that, I, I guess uh, there was a Yeah Yeah's record that came out that featured him on one of the songs. And I said, oh, you know, um, Nick Zinner from the Yeah Yeah's will be at the show. Um, you know, assuming. <laughs> Assume, assuming he knows, he knew what I was talking about. You know, he's like, oh, <laughs> yes. You know, he's like, nobody. He said, hey, Nick, Nick. Oh, last time I saw him, I was we hung out like in his mom's house, and he like told this big long story about Nick's mom's house and the the brick wall, the brick. Uh, what are they called there? Like the the buildings that are brick. You know, oh, just uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, on and on, on. Elaborate story about hanging out with Nick and his mom. Like, what the fuck? And it kind of didn't make a lot of sense. I was like, cool. Well, I'll see you tonight, you know, at the show and whatever, and we can hang out with Nick. And then I go to the show. He didn't show up. And I told Nick, and I I said, hey, yeah, you know, Keith's supposed to be here. And he was, he told me this weird story about when he hung out with you and your mom. And he he said, oh, that's weird. I've never met him before. He's (laughs) he's actually never met anybody in the (laughs) AAS. 
<laughs> amazing amazing i love that that's i love that <laughs> what an original dude man that's 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 the best way i can put that what an original dude man and i can only hope that there's someone now that's like working on a project with them and they're and there's and they're like they're like oh what the planet b track and he just like goes off on this crazy thing about like dog grooming or something and then <laughs> it's like not us you know? <laughs> yeah yeah we never groom dogs with cool keith man that never happened <laughs> i hope but man if, if you did where's that reality show you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh so, t- so talk a little bit about, uh, you know, you know the one band we fucking Retox. We haven't talked about Retox at all. So can you tell me a little bit about, because I think a lot there's a lot of folks that were like, kind of tuned in the Locust stuff and they kind of tuned back in on Dead Cross, but Retox is a real interesting band. Uh, how, how did Retox come to pass uh, as, as, as an act, as a project, as a band, et cetera, et cetera, uh, originally? And then uh, well, let's get into that a little bit while we got time. Sure. Yeah, mainly it was like it was uh, one of those uh, kind of Gabe Serbian suggestions uh, to start a band that was like Headwind City because Headwind City wasn't playing at that point. This is before the Headwind. City. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, we just did the EP, the Headwind City EP, and Gabe was like, "Let's do a band like that." And then we both were a big fan of the Festival of Dead Deer, and so I said, "Let's get Mike to play guitar," and. And then Gabe was living in LA, I think maybe, or, or something. So, so him and Mike started the band up there. And um, like, like most bands, except for the Locust, Gabe quit. Um, and, then, and then we got a second, we got a second drummer, you know, a drummer yeah, yeah. and kind of pushed forward. But um, yeah, it was one of those bands where, where, where we kind of just went full force right away. And, and, and I mean, <clears throat> we, we put out a seven inch and then toured Europe. Or toured, we toured in England. It was the worst idea ever. I think Mike really wanted to go to England. He'd never been on tour uh, overseas and, and and pushed us to go. And it was a fucking nightmare. It was like the biggest bunch of bullshit. We lost a lot of money. But um, we went to, to England. Anyhow, we came back, Gabe quit. We got a different drummer. And then we signed Epitaph and started, you know, pushing forward and, and playing music. And um, it was one of those things where I feel like it was one of those bands that was really a lot of hard work, a lot of like annoying kind of bad, crappy, not that great things happened to us. And then, and then eventually we all kind of got burnt out <laughs> and that was, and then we just let it go. But I mean, I, I look back and I, I really love the music that we created. And I think it, it was, I mean, for, for my contribution as a lyricist and a vocalist, I, I learned a lot in that process from the first LP to the last. I think I, I really grew as a as a as a as a singer, and I and I'm and I'm grateful for that. Um, but yeah, the band the band disbanded. I think we just kind of like we just couldn't get uh, we couldn't get a break. I think we were just kind of like yeah, fuck it. Um, I think it's a story with a lot yeah. of bands, like a lot a lot of otherwise <laughs> good bands. You know, like inertia can can hurt that way. And it's it's a yeah. it's a shame. I think it was a super interesting band, but I mean, obviously, you and Michael are doing fine in Dick Ross. Like it's it's yeah. not like it's not like you're sitting around, uh, you know, lamenting back in the day or anything along those lines. Oh God, speaking yeah. back in the day. Oh sorry, go ahead. No, there's different dynamic though because I'm not the singer. You know, right? And it's a totally different different want. instruments, different approach, yeah. different everything. But I mean, as far as just like you know, playing music together is, is kind of what's going. I, on. I, I wonder though, like if 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 I would have if I would have just 
been pushed into being the singer of Dead Cross uh, if, if Retox wasn't a band at that time. Because I think Mike was like, oh, yeah, we'll get him to play bass, not sing, because we already have Retox. Yeah, because so like, it's different. Because it's, it's, you, you get to, like, engage in a different way and, you know, uh, yeah. do, a, do a different thing. Do a different thing and yeah. engage in a different way. Uh, I was just going to say real quick, I, I, we, didn't, we never talked about Swing Kids. And, you know, I know it's a thousand years ago, but it is something where there is this kind of new generation of like kids getting into like for lack of a better term like noise rock and kind of digging up bands like swing kids and being like hey have you heard this it's so great it's amazing and uh you know what what are your thoughts like all these years later what are your thoughts on that because i always thought it was like oh they're good like yeah you know like they're kind of like doing a jehu thing but it's like you know this is cool awesome uh, uh you nailed it the jehu thing it was um i i i think i was I'm, i i've been over the years like pretty hard on 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 the band um because I think we sound too much like Drive by Jehu. And at the time, um, I mean, Eric Allen's passed away, so it's hard to like speak for him. But I think at the time, we didn't really realize how much it sounded like Drive by Jehu. Um, <laughs> Which, if you're going to sound like a band, that band's pretty freaking great. And it's not yeah. like you guys sounded like Drive Like Jehu Jr. necessarily, but it's, it's, it's like... We kind of did. We kind of did. Right. And to me, I just was like, ugh. But... I don't know. I, I guess I, I want to get, I will say that I think that the, the weak link in the band is, is me. I, I think I was a terrible singer and a ter- and I did not know how to write lyrics. So I think that, I think Eric's guitar playing is, was brilliant, is brilliant. And, and obviously like Jose is insane, yeah. fucking weird, weird drummer. And, 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 it, and, you know, and John Brady too, everybody was really good. I just think I was the weak link, but, um, you know, when people like dig it up and say like, oh, like this was, a, this was some, this like discovering it now, I don't understand, but like the people that say like, this did something for me when I was, you know, that age and, or when it first came out, I, I, I will, I will like, I will acknowledge that and, and, and respect that because there's a lot of stuff that really of that time maybe wasn't something that was very good, but, but spoke to me for whatever reason, you know, because we were all weird and there was a weird world and we were trying to figure out like, life and 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 you know how to be a human being and stuff and I, so i think that it maybe it spoke to those people but for the most part i kind of cringe at the music i miss and, and and then again like i miss eric a lot so like that's the one thing that kind of keeps it um like keeps it relevant to me because i'm like ah that was my contribution to music with him um and that's that but yeah i don't know I, I do as much as I want to say like fuck that band, it was not that good. I think it's um I appreciate people liking it, and I think it's I think it's uh, one of those things where like oh whatever, there's cooler stuff. Listen to listen to the first, listen to both Jay records. You'll you'll be better off. And then, and then... <laughs> well, it's not an either or situation, but I mean like yeah yeah, yeah I, I I get where you're going with it, but it's also like it, it's I, I guess it's interesting to me to see kids like discovering this stuff for the first time, like with a different context and, and kind of like that, that recontextualization stuff and be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Swing kids are good. Have you heard, have you heard the other bands? You know, <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you heard Locust? Have you heard Swoop Lake Johnny? Have you heard, you know, <laughs> like, and it's like not, not to like, you know, put a patch on it or anything along those lines, but, it, but it is, it's there, there seems to be this idea and maybe it has to do with the instant availability of everything that when somebody discovers something, like, oh, I'm the only one that knows about this. Like, it's like, hey, check it out. And uh, I don't know, it kind of gives things, 
that maybe maybe you thought were ephemeral and of the time, kind of like a, a, another life, like a, a longer lasting. Thing. I, and I don't know how to reconcile that necessarily, but it is something where yeah. when, pe- when people bring up swing kids, like, oh yeah, swing kids, cool. Huh. Hmm. I haven't thought about them in a while. All right. It's it's one of those things where like I think time does something because I remember you know I'm trying to think of like two examples like a good example for a good record would be uh, for me was 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 is is when I discovered The Accused um, Martha Splatterhead and and, and why uh, Maddest Stories Ever Told I was like this is such a great record and then you listen to it now and you're you're kind of like ah there's some questionable stuff on there but it's still a good record and I wonder like how much of me still enjoying it is nostalgia and how much of it is is something else but then there's like a band where <clears throat> where I, I liked it when i was when it first came out you know maybe in the in the late 80s or early 90s and i hear it now and i'm and i'm pretty sure it's not good at, at, at all you know <laughs> yeah like, what was that? i actually like couldn't think of an example but i thought of one but i i'm gonna be a, i'm gonna be better than that and not say it yeah, so okay. so but i'm sure anybody can relate to that Something you're like, I really like that when I was 14, but that is garbage now, and, and, it, and it will remain garbage. Yeah, but it will continue to be garbage uh, uh, later down the line. I. So, thank you, dude. Thank you so much for doing this. This, this, this has been a blast. Uh, I, I don't want. I, I kind of want to talk about 31G as well, but uh, you know, I, I don't know if we can if we can cover a label that is, has been around and doing awesome stuff as long as it has in a short amount of time and not uh, do it a disservice. But I think it's pretty fantastic that you do it. And, and like the fact that you can find bands like microwaves on there and where it's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Microwaves on three wingy. Yes. That makes sense. That absolutely well, makes sense. That's a good example too, because I, I, I obviously love the band and, and knew of them and knew of the members and stuff, but it was, I remember like after the record came out in three one G, I remember finding out that the drummer was in the 1985 yeah, and and I, and I was like, holy shit! I love that CD, man. I, that's so rad. I had no idea that that you were in that band that I had discovered back before I knew Microbes. So anyhow, it just it's one of those things. Like it makes sense, you know. It's it's family, and it's it's, it's inevitable. Did you ever listen to Night Vapor? Like his uh, yeah, Romans, which is great because it's like that's the only band that has a singer. It's like oh, like it sounds like you're having a seizure, and I love it. It's- <laughs> Like the the entire like that band is so absolutely fucked in the best possible way. And when the first time I saw them, I was just like smiling ear to ear every time. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, anyway, three one G. I'll praise the three one G. Justin, thank you so much for doing this, man. Uh, last, oh, thank you. Last thing I ask folks when I have them on the show, and you can choose to interpret this however you like. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. But why do you do what you do? Um, I mean, the, the, the go-to answer would just be because I have to, um, I mean, it sounds sort of cliche or some like emo bullshit, but it's, <laughs> it is really because I have, it's, it's, I, I didn't really, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I didn't like as a child when someone said, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I didn't, I didn't say I'm going to do this. I, I thought I'm going to be an astronaut or a soccer player or whatever. I, you know, who knows? And, and politician and then all of a sudden i'm like you know even when i first got into music i never thought it would be a, a thing that i could sustain my my life with you know because to me i was looking at musicians you know like david bowie and stuff and i thought oh that's unattainable you know I, I, that's just something that i have to like and that's another kind of 
creature on the planet that that's not like me and not that I'm like Peter Poe, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I never thought it would be like a sustainable thing where I could just go and function as a human being playing music all around the planet and, and reach people, um, to any certain, any level. So, um, I think it was just a gradual thing where I, at some point I, I was like, Oh shit, look what, look what picked me. <laughs> and that's, that's that, you know, I tried to do other things. I tried to go to college and shit. And I was like, Oh, I can go on tour. I'm going to drop out and go on tour. A lot. <laughs> I was gonna say it didn't take as it turns out right <laughs> I mean I, I dropped out of college probably at least man seven times you know just kind of like all right here goes this tour and then I'll come back to it and then I'll oh no no nope not not again so it was more important and I think that that might say that's like that's it choosing me saying like no no don't do whatever the fuck you're trying to get a degree on just do the music thing or the art thing, you know. Well, well, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm sure I'm glad you didn't go to college. <laughs> Proper. And when I say go to college, I mean Milo goes to college. That that style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Justin Pearson, thank you so much, man. It's been, this thank been a you blast. very much. Thank you. Take Appreciate care. it. Take care, brother. Okay, man. Take care. Oh, there he goes. Justin Pearson. Uh, what a bad guy.
Seizure and Desist off of the 2017 Dead Cross record. And before that, we had off of New Erections from 2007. Yes, Erections, not Elections. We have reached an official verdict, colon, nobody gives a shit. One of my favorite song titles of the long song title, Pantheon. And before that, Anything Jesus Does, comma, I Can Do Better, off of Plague Soundscapes, which is off 2003. Both those are from The Locust. All of them feature Justin Pearson. Uh, yeah, great. What a cool guy. What a blast. I, 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 uh, I, there's a lot to get through there. I feel good about it. Hopefully you guys got something out of it as well. Um, yeah, good dude. Good dude. Where did the time go? Where did the time go? Where have all the good times gone? This thing on. Rad. So, uh, yeah, that's Justin Pearson. He's a... Uh, look, I could sit here and, like, list all the things he's done. Uh, <laughs> 31G.com for the record label. Uh, you know, he's on the internet. He's on Instagram. He's on Twitter. <laughs> yelling at yelling at Trump apparently. <laughs> oh yes. The name of the show is Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. This show airs on Radio Nope, RadioNope.com, Thursdays, eight Eastern, seven Central, six Mountain, five Pacific. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. Patreon.com slash Reversal if you like the show and want to get episodes sooner. One dollar a month will get you there. Feel free to give more, though. I think you can do that. Uh, we'll turn it down. We're on all the things. If you review it, it helps people find the show. Thanks for people who have been doing that. They have nice things to say. Mr. and Mrs. America... Ships at sea. No thanks to the YouTube comments. Anyone within the sound of my voice. <laughs> some some thanks to the YouTube comments. Songs that spell coming up. Music off, music off. Stick around. Fifty thousand watts of It's a weird time to be doing much of anything, let alone doing this show, but uh, I'm happy to be doing it, and uh, thank you for listening to it. There's much more to come. This microphone turns sound into electricity. Stay safe out there. Can you hear me now? Out on Route 128, dark and lonely. Got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, Can you hear me now? 